Hello and welcome to the Keep Northern Iron Beautiful podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking to Siobhan Purnell, the Tackling Textiles Coordinator at Keep Northern Iron Beautiful, about her new project, uh, Tackling Textiles and the Importance of Reusable Fashion. And of course, we have Siobhan with us today. Siobhan, you're so very welcome to the Keep Northern Iron Beautiful podcast. Brilliant, David. Thank you so much for the opportunity to join you today oh no thank you for for coming along and uh and for talking to us so uh so i'm not really a big fashion expert siobhan so you're gonna have to walk me through this and and help me uh and help me out here you know for those of us who maybe are uh fashion uh fashion wise maybe challenged is is maybe the way we would uh we, we, we would do it uh, what's your project about yeah well david this this all started um probably around november time last year and um the it, it all came around through funding through DERA, which we're, we're delighted about. And it's a very much a new area of focus for Keep Northern Ireland Beautiful. And during the whole COVID restrictions, um, people were finding it really difficult to dispose of their old clothing and textiles um, during lockdown. And it, it's just really um, about encouraging people what they can do with their older clothing and give them some inspiration, alternative ways to maybe reuse, repair and reimagine. And our key message throughout all of this was very simple. It was never put your unwanted clothing in the bin and to find those alternative ways. Because really, we don't want clothing to end up in landfill um, because at that point, it's too late. There's no sorting. There's no recycling. Once it goes into that general waste bin, and as you know, our landfill space is running out in Northern Ireland and um, clothing and textiles, while they decompose, they're giving off harmful emissions. So we really want to encourage people not to do it. And actually during our work, we did a little survey, just a sort of a test of what people were thinking. And would you believe 14% of people did admit to just throw in stuff like clothing and textiles straight into their bin. So we do have a little bit of work to do and we do really want to encourage people about that simple message. And obviously, you know, it's something that we don't always think about because, you know, it's interesting you were just talking there and I was just thinking myself even, you know, oh, if you get a stain that you can't get rid of on your clothes, you know, if you're maybe a bit absent-minded with a glass of wine or something like that, then you, and you're not as quick at getting it in, getting it into the washing machine as maybe you should have been, or you're not, you're not too good with the club soda. Um, or maybe a, even if you have a rip or a tear or something, we're not very good at actually you know, repairing things, trying to find different uses for them as well. I just wonder, like, in terms of, in terms of that message getting out there, are you finding that people are receptive to that? When you when you put the facts in front of you, in front of them, like you've done with me, do you find people are receptive? Yeah, I, I really think people have um, taken to this campaign really well, and it's been seen very positively, and we've had a lot of interaction, and I think even that idea of repairing is coming back because this is something our mommies and our grannies would have done you know if a, if you'd lost a button off your clothes or something they'd definitely have that wee sewing kit ready to help you whereas now our clothes have become so disposable that we're, we're more tempted to just get rid of them and buy something new and i think even some of the programs that have appeared on the bbc for example although there is other channels um you know the sewing bee or the great repair shop they have really captured people's imagination and people are almost addicted to them. But it's it's um, 
I think there's a great satisfaction if you are able to take something and repair it and you know change it into something else and wear it again or and I mean if people don't have those skills there is still lots of options like from seamstresses and uh, people who can alter clothes for you so um, I definitely think there is a growing demand and a growing interest and in Northern Ireland and particularly in Belfast and I know there's other council areas are, are looking at this is the repair cafe idea where um, I think with COVID it got sort of killed off a bit but um people are bringing things along that you know lovely treasures that they've had for years but something's wrong or something's happened to them and really want to repair them so i definitely see uh see that things changing and improving in that in that respect yeah it was interesting when you were talking siobhan there i, I got memories back of uh school uniforms and i remember if i because school uniforms obviously are a bit expensive so i remember always having to go to school in September with either a jumper that was like too big going over my fingers that was that they made decent pair of gloves in the winter <laughs> uh, or a blazer that was literally about two sizes too big and being told the famous thing of well you'll grow into it don't be yes. worrying about it um and then obviously when you uh, if you ever tore your trousers or something like that you know my mom would be out with the sewing kit you know and it was never it was never about going down and buying new uh, buying new trousers it was always a it was always a reusing things and getting things oh, done great. as well but what well, so so why is it so important why is this project so important? Well, a bit like what you said there, um, te- you know, textile waste is just a massive global issue now. Um, we all are very aware that we live in a very disposable society and we've now, that has almost moved into our clothing. It's it's much cheaper clothing. We have what's called fast fashion. There's no longer four seasons in one year. We've actually got 52 seasons or even more. There's new clothes coming out every week. And we're being heavily advertised and marketed by these companies. And we've really moved away from what we've just talked about there, repairing and mending our clothes. And it just seems easier to throw something away than actually take a little bit of time to repair it and just go out and buy something new. And the way I've looked at it, it's almost like we've fallen out of love of our clothes. We love it that moment. It gives us that instant gratification. But then oh I've worked once it's been on Instagram it's you know this whole social media world and people are just oh we'll have to get rid of it or get something new so I love this quote that I found and I'm I'm not claiming it's mine but I'm going to use it we are over consuming and under using our clothes so there's just a few stats not to bore anybody but like across the UK including Northern Ireland we are throwing away a million tons of textile waste just let that sink in for a million minute so, 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 so just get that figured. That's a million, a million tons okay. of textile waste each year, and three hundred thousand tons of that is ending up in landfill. So you can translate that into Northern Ireland, and it's just massive. We're buying more clothes than any other EU country. That's a, a stat. Like, a, a, and we now have five times more clothes than our grandparents, and we, as local people, when we did a little bit of a survey for our local people. of local people who took part in our survey said that they would wear something once before chucking it out. So we definitely... 42% 42 would only wear something once. from the the sample, and that was 1,600 people in a a sample. So, um, So, yeah, I think there is... We have to start to sort of take a wee look at ourselves as individuals as well as society. And then this whole phenomena of fast fashion... It really is having a negative effect on our environment. 
So it is creating carbon emissions. There's water, chemical and plastic pollution. And that doesn't even touch on the human impact because a lot of the clothes that are being produced now for us are being made in Asian markets and many miles away from here. And they don't have the same working conditions and, you know, health and safety and all of that. So, so yeah, I think it's, that's why it's important for us to start talking about it locally. Wow. Okay. That's some amazing statistics there. I'm, I'm at the 42% thing. It's just absolutely for you. And, and you're right. I mean, three, 300,000, um, uh, uh of, of that ends up in, in landfill. And obviously, uh, we know from from the work that's done to keep an eye on beautiful how dangerous that is. And you, you've elaborated we've been on that about uh, about you know the, the the harmful things because interestingly if you throw like a old pair of jeans or an old t shirt or maybe an old dress in the bin and you kind of think well what odds what harm is it doing it sure goes to the bin man and sure it goes away and you don't and you don't see it but it, that is having a lasting impact. Yes, absolutely, and it's almost like I have this idea of every bin in Northern Ireland, like our, our general waste bin should have a massive skull and crossbow or something on it to say, do not, before you open this, do you realize what you're doing? Because, you know, it's almost like we just, we don't realize. And it's, it's not that it's not that it's anybody's fault. It's just the society we've created. And I think we just need to maybe take a step back and, and start to rethink how, how we're living our lives, you know. So you've seen. So, so we've talked a bit about the problem there, and it is. I mean, my goodness, when you saw those figures coming towards you, Siobhan, I'm sure you maybe you maybe sat back and thought, "Oh my goodness, jeepers! What 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 have I gotten myself into? There's there must be an easier life somewhere uh, out there for me." Um, so, what ideas are you seeing emerging? Uh, what what are you seeing coming up from 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 the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, as I say, it's still very early days for us in, in the work that we're doing, but. Um, what I've seen um, a lot of opportunities for people to actually sell their clothes online. So you're getting this idea that, okay, I'm, I'm not wearing this top anymore. What can I do with it? I can throw it in the bin. I could give it to somebody or I could actually make a few quid. So there is this growing trend of people um, and it particularly grew during lockdown and probably more um, in England than maybe in Northern Ireland. But a lot of companies now you'll see advertising such as Depop, Vinted, Trifted. These are all these companies that have been set up and, you know, people are able to sell their clothes online, create a little marketplace. And hopefully then that gives a second life to your item that you weren't going to wear again. And again, our little survey, we, we asked this question and 38 percent of local people said that they had sold online. So it is becoming more of a thing. And so I, I see that you know something to encourage and some of the work we did was we um showed people how to set up a little account and to get things um set up for them and little top tips and advice um other things and th- this is a, this is a little bit different but it's um renting your clothes so we're all very familiar with the idea of you're going to a wedding or you've been asked to a formal and you went and got the do- the, the penguin suit, as we used to call it, the bow tie and the black suit or a nice formal dress. And you would never think of going out and buying that, really. You would have said, oh, this is a one off. I'll rent it. But th- there's now a generation of organizations that have been set up to just rent regular clothes because there's a lot of people who love, as I said, you have 52 fashion fashion sort of every week um or sorry 52 fashion shows um in a year so things are really changing all the time and if you really are somebody on trend like you are david 
and you want to keep up with the latest trends, this could be an option rather than buying you. So that's something that I hadn't really thought of before. Obviously, pre-loved buying secondhand clothes, but it's much nicer to call it pre-loved. Um, so, so yeah, because I heard you talk about this earlier in, a, in another forum, and you were giving a very interesting presentation. You you said pre-loved, so so pre-loved is secondhand clothes, yeah. Yes, so it's it's it sounds I think nicer. Secondhand sounds like a oh, flip. Nobody liked it and they threw it out, sort of thing. But pre-loved, it it means that it would somebody loved it before, so it can be loved again. And this is this idea of falling back in love with their clothes and really understanding the amount of effort and work that went to get that item to you in the first place. So there's an awful lot of great clothing out there through our local charity shop retail, and they have had a tough, tough year. So if there's one thing that people could take away from today is go and visit one of your charity shops, either bring them something that they can sell or buy something and you're supporting really local causes. And, you know, um, again, 86% of people said most thing, most times they go out to shop, they're buying brands, bank and you. Um, so that's something we'd love people to get more behind our, our sort of pre-loved. And, and this is, you know, there's st- stats to say that this is definitely a massively growing market and that, you know, by 2030, there could be an awful lot more um second or pre-loved clothes being sold than there is at the moment so it is definitely a growing market and again just to touch finally on that whole idea of repairing and reimagining our clothes that's i see that as a growing trend as well and i had the pleasure of working with ulster university during the the project and we had the first year students did exactly this they took old material old fabrics and they did something inspiring with it. Some of the, the things that they came up with was really lovely. And it's all on our Instagram page if anybody wants um, wants to have a wee look. So, yeah, I think there's lots of good things that we can be doing. And um, I'd really encourage it. Yeah, and that and that is worth checking out on the on the Instagram page, uh, Keeping It On Beautiful. If you're if you're interested in in, in taking a look at that, there was some great uh, some great stuff uh, there um, that, that we were able to, to take a look at. And there, there, there's some good uh, creativity out there in terms of in terms of what can be done. So in terms of the project, I mean, why do we need to be engaging with this type of thing? I know you've outlined some of the problems already, but just in general, what what what's the What's the the SP and the reason to to, to engage with this type of thing? Well, I think, worryingly, um, clothes are now seen as the fourth largest environmental impact after housing, transport and food, according to um, the local charity uh, RAP. And, you know, this this is massive. And it's, it's just if we take a wee moment to think about the journeys, for example, that skirt that you really, not that you'd want a skirt, David. Well, it, maybe, I, I'm assuming you don't want a skirt, but either a skirt or a pair. Just for full disclosure, no, yes. no, I don't, no, I don't. Yes, so for a skirt or a pair of jeans that you buy on the high street, um, they're most likely being designed in the UK and Europe. But the material, for example, the cotton could have been made in America. It could be shipped then to Asia to a clothing factory in Bangladesh or China, and then it's shipped back thousands of miles to Northern Ireland for it to be displayed beautifully in the shop and really encouraged and enticed you to buy it. And then it might only be worn once, according to some of our stats, or on average nine times before somebody decides, I don't want that anymore. And it potentially ends up being shipped to secondhand markets in Africa. So that if you can imagine the journey that that has been on and 
this is in a massive environmental impact from the water to originally create the cotton to the dyeing of the material, again, affecting harmful chemicals that ends up in our rivers and waters to the very poor working conditions that people have to um, in, the, in, the, in the factories to that very end point, the transportation. So I suppose for me, why I want people to engage with this is to just to maybe just have that awareness of what you're buying asking where is it made um, who made it example and really treat what you've bought with respect look after it you know with repairing or washing or keeping it you know keeping it good and really then finding ways to reuse repair and reimagine before you'd even think of chucking it out and you know something that you could start to do if you're if you're passionate about a certain brand of clothing or whatever is to really get to know that brand and ask the the company about their manufacturing process because you know if we don't encourage them to make changes it's very difficult we can stop buying stuff but that isn't going to happen realistically but we can we have an awful lot of power as the consumer to actually to to, to do something different and just one last we stop mm-hmm. just to no no we love them keep, keep um, home. in the last 20 years the production of garments has increased by 400 percent and there's 80 billion garments being produced every year and i wouldn't like to even work out how many of that ends up been thrown away so it's and these are all virgin materials so if you think it's like the water the land the you know so so we definitely have to think about what we're doing Mm -hmm. and what changes are are you seeing in this so obviously i mean that's those are some worrying statistics to say the least but what changes are you seeing out there from obviously you've only been doing it a few months but 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 are you seeing anything happening already well, yeah, a big area of focus, um, which is wider than the work that we're doing, obviously, is that the government and the wider EU have really taken on textiles and are starting to see it as a big issue. Um, and the recycling infrastructure, unlike some of the other materials we have, like plastics and glass and things like that, there, there isn't a very well-developed recycling um, infrastructure for textiles and you know that's why you're seeing a lot of materials ending up in landfill or being shipped off to other countries but rap again i've mentioned them earlier they're working with government on a campaign called textiles 2030 so you can imagine obviously 10 years they have a focus uh, a laser focus on working with the retailers and the manufacturers to make big changes to their supply chain at the moment it's a very linear supply chain so the idea is to work with the producers, the manufacturers, the retailers to create a more circular um, economy for textiles and to be using more sustainable practices, more sustainable materials, etc. But as I mentioned earlier, we as a consumer hold an awful lot of power. And I suppose our role in a small way here in Northern Ireland is to really start that conversation with people, to really encourage them to think about where their clothes are made to ask those questions and to you know maybe make some small changes like buying the pre-loved actually shopping your own wardrobe i know that sounds weird but the most sustainable clothes you can buy or and have is the ones you already have so a lot of people have a lot a lot of clothes lying in the back of the wardrobe that they haven't seen the light of day for ages and you know it's having a good look and saying what have i got that i don't need to be going and buying something new so 
And and it's interesting that you bring. It. I mean, Siobhan, I, I never even thought of it like that. You know, you you check the wee the wee wash tag on every clothes, and it says made in China, made in Britain, made in America. But the way you you've actually framed it there, you know, if you, if you take account of where the different fabric comes from, the journey it has, those tags aren't really you know you've actually got a number of countries on there of of where it's made. You know. Yes, David, it is really complicated. The supply chain. Um involves many countries many organizations many you know even even the product that you have on your back today if you took it off and looked at it even the amount of different materials that are used it's not one single material and even some of the materials we're now seeing um they're plastic based so that that's that's another issue that would probably not get into today but um so yeah it's very complicated and i think you know, we're going to see more focus on the supply chain and looking at that more and shining a light on it to see um, how we can unwrap it and see um, where things can can improve. Mm-hmm. Well, Siobhan, you've certainly given us a lot of food for thought here on the podcast in this episode, from everything from the supply chains to how our clothes are made, how we're dealing with them. You've certainly given uh, me a lot uh, to think about. I know our audience um, as well. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with the Tackling Textiles project, you can visit the Live Here, Love Here uh, uh, Facebook page, the Twitter account, also on Instagram as well. They are everywhere. Uh, this project is everywhere uh, for your social media needs, so please do engage with it. Siobhan, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. Thank you, David. It was great. Thank you for listening to the Keep Northern Iron Beautiful podcast. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can be reminded of future episodes.